What the hell is the name of this song? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the post- July 4th extravaganza weekend of Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn. And you know, Kevin, a lot of people said we wouldn't make it to our second year. And here we are. Barely. We are barely here. Well, but we've started. And speaking of barely here, uh, Evan Grant is in Boston where the Rangers are slowly sinking into the West. No, Kevin, they're not sinking into the West. Don't, Ev- be, don't be such a negative ninny. <laughs> hey, hey, Kevin, do you miss Derek Holland yet? Yeah, no kidding. I tell you, tell you what, I, I miss, uh, I think I miss Aaron Seeley is who I miss. I mean, th- this this club needs some pitching, Evan. When are you going to go out and find it? Well, I, I think that the, um, I think the starts of Chichi Gonzalez and Nick Martinez over the last week uh, certainly up the, uh, the, I don't want to say the ante, but it ups the urgency. Um, uh, you know, the, again, the Rangers expect you, Darvish, to come back for the first start after the All-Star break. So that potentially solves one issue in your rotation. But it doesn't address the two bigger ones, which is the fact that you're not going to get Colby Lewis back until after, until significantly after the trade deadline. So you're not going to get him back until late August. And that may be a blessing in disguise for him that he gets a couple of months off and he'll be fresh down the stretch, and that's all great. But that gives you four starters. Uh, Derek Holland, I don't count on Derek Holland at this point, and I think it's easy to find or at least easy to identify a lot of pitchers who constitute an upgrade over Derek Holland. And so uh, my thought is that this team definitely does need to pursue starting pitcher uh, going forward, and, and I think that they have started that process. I, I believe they are looking at guys. They certainly looked at the Tampa Bay pitchers in a scouting mission last week, and I, I, I know they saw Odorizzi. I know they saw Matt Moore. I don't know if uh, Archer pitched in a series while they were there. It, but, it, it, uh, I know Chris Archer is not having a good year, but he has tremendous stuff. He's a very quotable guy, uh, very engaging uh, well, let's definitely let's definitely get guys based on quotability. Absolutely, well, that's you, what I'm for. Yeah, you know, Kevin would have run uh, Steve Carlton out of town. Yeah, that's right. I know. So, so uh, it, of the, the let's say of that Tampa Bay trio, uh, other than I'm going to take Chris Archer out of that equation because he's a really talented guy who's having a bad year. I, I can't imagine they try to trade him now on the cheap. So, of, of Odorizzi and more, who would you rather have? Uh, I think that uh, you know. It's a good question still because Moore is now two years out from from serious arm problems, and it looks like he's starting to get back what he was. And we all saw him pitch an incredible game here in in the postseason um, uh, against the Rangers. And that was a while ago. It was. He's got power stuff. Um, Odorizzi to me is a little bit more consistent. Um, I looked at other, you know, the one thing that stands out about the Tampa Bay pitchers, and, and I'm putting a little thing together for, for the digital side right now, is um, that they all have given up a ton of home runs. And that would scare you. But then you look and you figure that, okay, this team plays against a power-packed Baltimore lineup 
you know, in a Baltimore park that favors home run hitters. It plays the Yankees in a park that favors that has an incredibly short right field that we just saw. It plays Toronto in division, and we know what Toronto's lineup is like. And it faces uh, Red Sox. Uh, Red Sox. In, in Fenway. Yeah. So, um, where if you get a fly ball up in the air, it's a home run. Exactly. I mean, and you saw a couple of balls yesterday that were that were doubles uh, among the nine Red Sox doubles that were nothing more than fly balls. But my point there being, you know, I think it's more important to look at his numbers against the West. And he's had four starts against the West this year, a 3.09 ERA in those games. And uh, he hadn't faced the Rangers. He's faced all the other teams in the division. Um, and the same thing with Moore. You know, they, they both pitched really well against the uh, – the AL West opponents, and so both of those guys hold some attractiveness to me. Um, Just to check out the contract situation here on both those guys, um, Moore could be under control through 2019, and Odorizzi could be under control through 2020. You know, I would always kind of lean towards the more control on one of these guys, and both both these deals are very favorable. So, uh, you know, either one of those guys, I think, would at this point have to be viewed as an upgrade over Derek Holland. Do do one um, of, would, would one of those guys cost more? Uh, I, my guess is that Odorizzi would cost more just because he's got a longer track record at this point in time. Um, more has been out for a significant amount of time, uh, but. I think in the Tampa Bay deal, for either of those pitchers, you're not going to be giving up a Gallo or a Profar, um, and maybe not. Uh, you know, I think the Rangers would be willing to trade Lewis Brinson at this point. So, um, and, and he is hurt right now. I think he's going to have to get better before before they can really uh, finalize any kind of deal. But I don't think you're talking about anything above. Lewis Brinson for for one of those for one of those guys. If the Rangers trade Lewis Brinson, what does that say about their center field situation and Desmond? Well, I, I think I don't think what they do with Brinson says anything about their center field situation per se. Desmond's center field play says a lot about their center field situation, and he certainly looks like the kind of guy you'd like to have for several years. But you know, I think you're also looking at at this point if you want to try and get a contract extension done. This is unless you have some conversations during the break and try and get it done in a hurried uh, fashion during the break, uh, which probably tends to mean that it would have to be something kind of favorable to the player. Um, you're looking at a five-year, ninety million dollar deal, um, and that's that's another plus $15 million contract that you're adding to this roster, where right now you've got some guys with plus $15 million contracts who aren't really performing up to their level. So that that's a difficult kind of uh, uh, negotiation to enter into. It's difficult. And, and I, think if you, I think if you wait till later in the season, you run the risk of potentially impacting his performance during the season and creating – something of a distraction. So I think you either do try and do something at the break or you just wait until the offseason. It's it's difficult to do for all the reasons you, you just said. But, you know, our, our buddy Jerry Fraley always refers to sunk money. You know, when you when you sign those guys to contracts like that, 
that money's done. Uh, and, and you can't allow it to affect too much what you're going to do for, come, going forward. Because I will say this, I have said all along uh, that as he has developed, that look what the Rangers have done with a lineup. There's going to be well, how many All-Stars, are, or how many Rangers are going to be All-Stars? Two? I expect two, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be uh, Hamels and Desmond. So they got the best record in the American League with two All-Stars, which is phenomenal. But now what's happening is that I believe Desmond is developing himself into more than just an All-Star. If he keeps uh, playing at this pace, I think he's a definite uh, MVP candidate. I don't know if he's going to win well, it, I, but I think he's going to be in the, I, he's going to be in the top uh, four or five players. Well, I just wrote a little something this morning about that, and Jeff Bannister said the same exact thing in that, yeah, we may only be halfway through the season, but at least at this point you'd have to consider Ian Desmond in the MVP conversation. And you look at the two all-encompassing war figures, and they're, we're not going to get into why baseball reference and fan graphs have two different formulas for war, but he ranks first among outfielders in the American League and fifth overall in the American League, according to Fangraph, and he ranks fifth among outfielders and tenth in the American League among all position players in uh, in Baseball Reference. And so, for me, that definitely when you're on that leaderboard, you're in the conversation. Uh, and on top of that, you know, we can sit here and talk about stats, but let's let's look at the intangibles again. Let's look at the fact that the guy is playing a new position, and he's actually playing a new position that he didn't even work on in spring training that he's playing it at an above-average level, and that not only is he hitting well, he's hitting in, and I know guys want to say that clutch is just a lucky kind of, lucky kind of deal, but when, you're, when you improve your hitting, you're going to improve your ability to hit in big situations. And this is, anybody who's been around this guy knows this is a very focused individual, and, he's the kind, and those are the kind of guys who when they fix whatever is going on in their swing or their game, they are able to get the most possible out of situations. They don't let situations impact them. They don't let uh, nerves get to them. This guy's hitting 370 after the seventh inning. He has been as clutch as there is in the American League. As good as he's playing uh, on the field, and you just brought up the, uh, the intangibles with him, he reminds me very much of Michael Young, doesn't he? I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, um, I was – and there was, um, I was, you know, I was watching the Minnesota series from home this week, and there was, uh, there was an at bat where Desmond came up, and it was a high leverage situation. It wasn't the, the the home run on Friday night, but it was a it was a fairly high leverage situation on Sunday. And um, <clears throat> he's standing there, and they've got the camera angle on him. And yeah, for a minute, I saw Michael Young's face because he had the exact same squint and stare um, that Michael did, and yeah, it, it really did cross my mind. So, uh, And I think this is a big reason why Michael was so high on recommending him and recommending that the guy would be willing to change position. You know, he he he, he sees a lot of himself in, in, in Ian, I think. Yeah, I, I talked to uh, John Daniels briefly the other day about him, and I'm, I'm planning on writing something before the All-Star break about uh, Desmond. Uh, but it was, well, I'm planning on writing something today about him. Well, but, but I'm going to write something good, though. That'll be the difference. Uh, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. But one of the things he's, that surprised me that he said was, you know, I know that John was very you know, we were having one. Of, we were having a friendly podcast. Right we now. were right up to that point. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I introduced that negativity. Uh, is year that, two was going to be the year of friendliness. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. The year of friendliness. I like that. It, hey, it lasted about 
20 oh, seconds. 20 minutes. Uh, but but anyway. Just like, all, just like all resolutions. Yeah, that's correct. So anyway, uh, what what John and I talked about was uh, I said, listen, you know, I know you you've got some bad contracts, and he, and he said, do we? Uh, which I thought was was good. I was glad he uh, acknowledged that uh, so glibly. But uh, uh, I said, you know, certainly it seems to me that Ian Desmond has worked himself into the conversation with y'all for uh, to keep. And he and uh, and you know you know how John is. He can couch some things and say, well, we'll see. Well, and his response to me was absolutely. And, 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 and so I think that there's something there because, you know, even before he came in and had such a great year, I, John loved the guy, you know, and I, right. one of the things he told me was uh, I, I can show you the scouting reports that we've had on him the last five years, you know, and what the scouts have always said about him. So where, where, was, was, every, where was everybody else when he was available then? Well, no. They, uh, if you read everything everybody said, they, they, everybody tells you that this was the worst contract in baseball. That that the Rangers stole this guy. Right. That, that everybody says they should. Have, I think they felt like, you know, he, he's not a shortstop anymore, probably because of his problems defensively, and it was letting him, it was affecting him offensively. And and now you're going to put him in the outfield. And and I think people. And just I mean, there, there, work. And there had been a trend of decline in offensive performance. Yeah. yeah no question about that. A big trend. You know. It, it's it's easy for us to look at at those trends and determine okay player is declining. It's not it's not easy for us to look at those at those numbers and say okay why are the why other than a decline would these numbers be declining? And so we apply these these broad generalizations when they fit you know our, our statistical narrative and and you know he becomes a declining player. I, I, I I just do think, you know, I've talked to Cole Hamels a little bit about him because Cole has faced him more than any – he's faced Cole more times at bat than he's faced any pitcher in the big leagues. And, and Cole said, I just see a more relaxed, more at ease guy. And I think, you know, that the year of, of not having to worry about the contract um, – well, the year of, of worrying about the contract and then not having it happen and then coming here and just playing – I think he's more well equipped to just play kind of in this uh, in this environment, you well, know, where you're you're going to be a free agent again after this year. Yeah, yeah. I do think we we have to stop for one second on on Desmond, but because we just skipped over one thing, and and that is this: even if the Rangers trade Lewis Brinson, it does not mean they're barren in center field. And Ryan Cordell has developed into he might be having the best all-around year of, of Rangers' uh, upper-level prospects. And, why, why, and, and, and not that I, you know, am, am, you know, immersed in the in the system here. I I think that kind of stuff is really overblown. But, but you know, Ryan Cordell's numbers have, have been tremendous and have pretty much always been. Why is it that he is not talked about more uh, as a, as a, a big-time prospect. prospect for the Rangers? Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a good question. Maybe um, – Maybe simply because he just didn't enter the system as one of those, right? Uh, as one of those high-level guys, um, you know. You look about the people we gravitate to as, as big-time prospects, and and Gallo was a was a supplemental first rounder, and Brinson was a first rounder. Um, Profar was a, uh, a a big-time bonus. Odor was not really talked about for several years. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't. You heard more about Luis Sardinas the first couple of years than you did about uh, about Odor and, and Mazzara. Um, yeah, so, and, so, and it, so tell us a little bit about Ryan Cordell then, Evan. 
I, well, the truth is, I mean, because he has been so kind of overshadowed, I, I don't have that much to say about him, except for the fact that he's always been a really good defender. Um, he has put up good numbers. You know, I think some of those numbers last year when he hit 311 with 13 home runs in high desert, you kind of throw those out just a little bit because it's such a hitter-friendly league. Um, and then he went to uh, went to Frisco for the last half of the season, and he only hit 217. And and so he, he, he said, okay, well, he's finally up to double-A now, and there's going to be some adjustments for him to make. Let's see what happens this year. Well, what's happened this year is he's, he's really stepped out. He was in big league camp, uh, made the most out of that. And he's just really he, he's really picked up where where that left off. All right, let's. We've been distracted now by the outfield talk, which is very good talk, especially the Ian Desmond stuff. I'm I'm really intrigued by him. But let's get back to the pitching situation. All right, we we have discussed the fact that before I think the attitude was well, the, the Rangers did not have to be in a hurry about adding you know starting pitches, and they could wait and be deliberate and see what develops. I'm not so sure. That you can do that anymore. When you have had you, when you, it's not so much that they have lost a few games lately, which you know that's just going to happen. It's the way they've lost those few games, uh, and and they've had some almost record defeats here in the last week and catastrophic. a half. Catastrophic, catastrophic, Certainly, if they're not record, they're catastrophic. Well, here and here's the deal: uh, Chichi and Martinez are going to pitch this week again, no matter what. Correct, Evan? They are scheduled to pitch again this week. Um, and let me say this. That if you want to, if you want to talk about the catastrophic, now I, I don't know what your guys' inference on catastrophic is, but for me, catastrophic is not being beaten to a pulp like seventeen to five. It's the big losses um, when they've had. It's the losses when they've had big leads. Yeah, you had a four nothing lead in the first inning yesterday, and right. you, lo- you lose that they've game. Had, they've had three leads of four runs or more uh, over the last ten days in games they've all ended up losing. Um, and what's the common denominator in that? Nick Martinez has started all three games. Um, and I, I think the first game he pitched okay in, uh, in New York, and, and the bullpen just did have a meltdown that night. Um, I think the second game, he really started to get tentative. That's the day – I'm sorry, the, the first game was not against New York. It was uh, the start prior. The second game was against New York, and I think he got a little bit uh, – he got a little bit tentative and, and tried to make more perfect pitches. And because of it, he threw more balls than strikes. Um, and then the bullpen did blow that game, even though he left with a, a unthinkable that he left with a five-run lead despite throwing more balls than strikes. Right. And, and I think that just carried over, and he pitched with absolutely no confidence yesterday. And, and I think that's what they have to consider for, for Saturday. Um, I, you know, Kyle Loesch pitched uh, seven innings last night. At Round Rock, um, he would be an option. I think it might be uh, more realistic to think that they might bring up Eric Surkamp because he's on the 40-man roster. They could option somebody down and and bring Surkamp up, or they could they could start Michael Roth, who mopped up for Martinez yesterday and, and got mopped um, up pretty much himself. Yeah. Yes, he did. He well, we had the rare occurrence yesterday in which two pitchers for the same team. Both allowed at least ten hits and gave up six runs. So, um, just a little bit of, of you always see something special at the ball game. Yeah, but uh, you know, so those those would be the options. And and again, here's the thing: you, I think you want 
you want to be diligent, you want to be nimble, and, and you want to strike. All of that being said, um, was that a poem? I don't think. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I think it's on the back. That's of the how the charge of the light here. brigade, I think, begins. <laughs> got to be nimble. Got to be quick. Got to be Jack diligent. Jack over the candlestick. No, That's what it was. No, That's what it was. You got to be diligent, yeah. and you want to strike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's not a poem, Kevin. That is a nursery rhyme. <laughs> Um, <laughs> to Kevin, to Kevin, that's that, a poem. That, that's that's, poetry. to Kevin, that's like Tolstoy. Yeah, a nursery right. rhyme. Actually, Tolstoy was an author, but not a poet. But that's all right. No, 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 no. Um, but but it's a deep. It's a deep. What I was referring to. Okay, it's very, let's, very let's deep. move off very, the literary, very, very, very deep okay. literary circle. So, so, oh, go ahead, Evan. So, uh, you know, it's a tough situation. But do you run out and make a trade? just to cover one of these starts for this week? No. Yes. Or do you... Yes. I say no. One start? No, one start, it's Kevin? not one start, but here's the thing. All right, we're, we're counting on you, Darvish, to come back, uh, and everything will be just fine, right? He came back once. No, yeah, we're, not, we're not counting. We're hoping. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, so, so he's know, already come back once, and he, and, he, and, he, and he went bad. And then, as you pointed out, Kobe Lewis isn't coming back for a long time, and Derek Collins. To me, you don't come. You're not making a deal for one start, obviously, but you're you're making deals to try to give yourself a little bit more insurance than what you have right now. And I, I think they absolutely. And I, I think that. you do want to. I think you. And I, as I said earlier, I, I think there is more urgency, and I think there is got to be more push to do that. I just don't know that you have to do it in the time before that next start comes up on Saturday. Yeah. I, I think well, right, that, because you don't know what you're going to get and when, when, the pitcher, when the pitcher can pitch. But the lead was 10 games when, it, when they went into the Yankee series, correct, in, the, in uh, last week it in New was, York? Uh, it was nine and a half, I believe. When yeah, like nine and a half. Okay, right. and it's down to what, seven and a half uh, as of Tuesday Seven and morning? a half right now, yeah. yeah. Okay, is yeah. That, does that concern you? Um, losing two games in, you a know, week? in a, in a five day span, not, it doesn't concern me at this point. I, I expect a lead with the Astros, regardless of what the Rangers do. I expect with the lead with the Astros is going to get tighter this year. The Astros are a good team. They had a really bad start. They had what the Rangers went through last year. Um, Houston is going to challenge the Rangers before this season is over. So the fact that it's 10 or 7 at this point, no. That doesn't, one way or another, that doesn't concern me any more than the fact that I know that Houston is going to make a push and I have to be ready for that push when it comes. I just feel like you go out and you say, we expect to get Darvish back after the break. But we do have to have some insurance, and we do have to have somebody who represents at least a potential upgrade over Derek Collins, who maybe could pitch number three in our rotation. And and those are the guys the Rangers have to look for. I think the two Tampa Bay guys, as we mentioned, are good examples. I think Drew Pomerantz is a potential example in San Diego. Um, and I think the one, uh, I, I think Nathan Eovaldi in New York might be the kind of guy that you might get while everybody else is, is looking at Batonsis and Andrew Miller and, and Chapman, you know, you might be able to get, in, get him on a fairly minor trade, and this is a guy who I think has got a lot of potential. Um, uh, and, and then the one big guy that I still have you know, tremendous interest in is, is Sonny Gray because he's pitched on this league. He's pitched in this division. I think that putting him with Colby Lewis and, and, uh, and Cole Hamels I think he's going to learn an awful lot more about pitching. 
I think he's the kind of guy who's going to be receptive to that. So uh, those are the guys that, that I'd be focused on for the rotation. And, and I wouldn't completely ignore the bullpen either, but I think the guys that I'd be focused on for the bullpen, I think you'll be able to get closer to the deadline in something of a slightly more minor deal. Um, the guys, the, the rotation guy, I think, is where you've got to focus right now. Who would you like to see be the stopper, the closer, in uh, the second half of the season? I'm fine with Dyson as the closer. I just think you've got to, I think you've got to clean up that middle of the bullpen a little bit more so that Deekman gets some more time off and so that, that when Deekman has time off, he can come in and more confident, and Jeff Bannister can more confidently just say, okay, today's the day where I'm going to hand the ball to Deekman and I'm not going to worry about Dyson. You also have to consider that the fact that this team has played an inordinate number of one-run games to this point. And that, as we say with everything in baseball that we can't explain, it all tends to even out in the end. So you would also tend to think that they won't have quite as many one-run games in the second half. But I am fine with Sam Dyson as a closer. Well, let's let's – Let's talk about now uh, the strip mining of the top layer of the minor leagues and how that has affected uh, potential candidates for the rotation. Because, because two years ago, because in, when they when they traded uh, for Cole Hamels, they okay. got rid of several pitchers, okay. Jake Thompson among them. Um, Jake Thompson and Jake Thompson and Jared Eikhoff. Eikhoff is in the big leagues and he's pitching well in Philadelphia. He's pitching really well in Philadelphia and. And Thompson is, is right behind him and pitching really well in the minor league. They also got rid of Alec Asher in that deal, who at this point couldn't help the Rangers because he's on a PED suspension. Right. Um, but, yeah, they, they did. They, and it wasn't just that deal. You know, it was, it was a number of deals in 12, 13, The Dempster 14, deal. 15. The Dempster deal, the Garza deal. Mm-hmm. They stripped off a number of, of pitchers, both starters and relievers, over that period of time. And I think what we have now seen is the Rangers are in a good, I I think they're really well positioned. We've seen a wave of position players come up to the big leagues in the last few years and succeed. And behind them now, those pitchers are starting to get to double A and starting to push a little bit to, uh, to get more opportunities. And the danger point then is, if you go in and you start taking guys like Luis Ortiz or Dylan Tate or putting them in deals, then you start that you, you really thin out your margin for error in uh, uh, on the pitching side. And you know there's some guys down there that don't have the first round pedigree of a Tate or an Ortiz. I particularly um, am interested in Andrew Martin, who's a little bit banged up right now. But he's a big, tall lefty, and I think he's a guy who's going to be a, a major league starter. Um, I think you're seeing some guys at at Double A start to start to start to develop. And I wouldn't get to a point where where I I say I've got a wealth of starting pitching, but I do think I'm well positioned to be able to restock my starting pitching internally. I just don't know that I feel like I've got a whole lot of inventory. Um, and a whole lot of inventory to deal when it comes to pitching. So let's let's talk about uh, Chichi Rodriguez, uh, Gonzalez. <laughs> I always do that. Chichi Rodriguez. He was a fine he was golfer. A fine golfer. He was Chichi Gonzalez. Here's a guy that that uh, that the Rangers fans were waiting on. I would say after Martin Perez, he was probably the most most awaited pitcher in the in the Ranger system, wouldn't you? In the last five years, six years, seven well, years? Well, yeah, again, I mean, he was a first-round pick, you know. And, right. 
so we we gravitated towards him and and he moved through the system very fast and and uh, you know he's gotten to the big leagues and what we see in the big leagues is he has borderline big league stuff. Um, but that's the thing. Was, it's not like you didn't see that before. I mean, you know, you could tell that the minor leagues he's got borderline stuff. But the deal was he was he had right. such great poise and and knew when to throw what he wanted to throw. Well, what you keep hearing from, about him is the same thing. You know, his breaking stuff's all on the same plane. You know, everything's in the same right. plane. It's like, well, how many times do you need to watch video to know that? I mean, this is this is what you're doing. You're 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 a smart guy. He's clearly a smart guy and and very poised. Why aren't you making the necessary adjustments here to get this to work? Well, I mean, I think they have tried, and, you know, he just hasn't had a whole lot of success or comfort with um, with a with a, with a secondary pitch that really changes plans. Um, uh, and let's, let's also be fair to Chi-Chi, okay? He had a horrible outing on Saturday. Uh, he was not helped at all by the defense in that first No, that's, that's correct. And... This defense has been spectacular this season. It has been as good a defensive team, certainly at least since 96, maybe even better than that. Still team. leading the league in double plays? Oh, by far. Yeah. And and are among the league leaders in, in defensive runs saved. And even a great defense is going to have a bad game. But, you know, I was talking to Bannister a little bit about this this well, week or, yet, or yesterday is, you know, you did have kind of a sloppy weekend on the field. And he did point out. He said, "You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and complain about the number of games we've had to play um, and the lack of off days. But we did have that long game in New York, and so the next day we didn't get on the field for batting practice or, or to take ground balls. Then we had one day um, on the field in New York for for ground balls. Then we didn't on the day game. Then went to Minnesota, had one day, and then didn't have." Uh, time on the field the next two days and didn't have time on the field yesterday. And so they, you know, their routine, we talk about routines in sports and routines in baseball, and their routine uh, has been disrupted pretty much five out of the last eight days. So they are looking, it's actually raining right now in Boston, so we'll see if they get on the field today, but they've only been on the field three times in the last eight days. And I do think that that, you know, when you're talking about routine stuff and things that you do completely out of memory and that you do it, you know, because you you've done it 15 times in 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 a workout before the game ever started, um, I, I think that has has played a part to some extent in in the sloppiness here lately. The the, de- the defense didn't help uh, Cole Hamels either in his start the other day. Yeah, but but Cole just didn't Cole did not have Cole Hamels command. Um, that was clear, and I don't I, you know I I think here's here's the the difference, Barry. I would think that. With, with a guy like Chi-Chi, you know the defense has to help him out. With a guy like Cole, you, the defense shouldn't have to – the defense should be able to help guys out equally, but, but, sir, but there should be more ability on Cole to fix his own issues. And he just didn't do it Sunday. And, and again, he's, he was 9-1 and one with a two-something ERA going into the, oh, yeah. into the game. Hadn't lost on the road all year. It, it, all that crap is going to happen. And, you know, it's happened here in just a short, protracted amount of time. And maybe the real story is that in this whole time they've lost two and a half games while they've lost five out of six. But the question to me about Cole is in that, okay, it's Minnesota. Well, Barry wanted to ask a question, but I know it wasn't going to be a good one, so I had to get this in. Uh, is that uh, he's had trouble commanding his fastball all year long. So, yeah. so what did the Twins see? 
and you know, you know, they're they're laying off of, of the changeup, and uh, and they're and they're making him throw that fastball, and he can't command it. So, uh, are we going to see other teams pick up on this, and are we going to see a trend here? Well, you know, the way Cole has explained it to me in the in the past is when he doesn't have the fastball, he can turn to the changeup, and the changeup gives him a good, as he calls it, a checkpoint for what he needs to do to fix the fastball. Um, but it's also an effective pitch for him. Well, if it's not an effective pitch for him, and the changeup wasn't really an effective pitch for him on Sunday, then he's left with nothing but trying to work the fastball out on his own. And and you know, I think you see the results that you had on Sunday. I think that was that was the issue. Yeah, I just wouldn't wonder if that's going to be an issue going forward because I know it just I, seems I, like it, the fastball has just it's, it's so so similar to Darvish to me that both of them. Darvish in the past has had such trouble commanding, you know, his fastball, and and then yeah, we'll, we'll go with other stuff, and then and Hamels is a little bit the same. Here, well, but the thing about Darvish and Hamels is that they do have a great feel quickly if they don't have command of their fastball, and they do have other pitches to go to that they can throw for strikes. Now, there are going to be days when those pitches don't work, and I think that's what happened with Hamels. But I don't see it as a, I don't see it as a, as, as a, as a trend. I, I, it, one game, I'll, I'll chalk up to the fact that he just didn't have the changeup working very well. The, uh, we'll see what happens when he comes out on Thursday. Perfect. Thursday? Is, is he pitching Thursday or Friday? Friday. I'm sorry. He's pitching Friday against Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going to save my good question for when I talk to Richard. I'm going to call Richard and just ask him the question later because you wouldn't let me ask my really. Wow, what question was your question going to be? I'm not. Go I don't ahead. want. No, no, because no matter what I say now, you'll say it's a horrible question. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not, I'm not really asking. Good. I would say. In fact, really I didn't good. want to Barry. ask a question. I wanted to make a point. Oh, Barry, well, even don't, worse. Don't be. Don't be my mother. Don't don't force <laughs> us to, to to beg you. We don't want to play this game. Tell us what your point was. No, <laughs> let's 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 move on. Let's move on. Oh, my God. Barry, you want to just sit there in the dark? <laughs> Look, I'm a little hurt. You know, after all I've done for you all these years, Evan, all these years, everything I've put in, in, into you, for you to treat me like this is just a bomb. I know. Uh, actually, it's Kevin who's treating you this way. But well, for what I've done for both of you. For what I've done for both of you. Yeah. Tell us what your statement is because everything here on Ballsy in year two is valid. I think we have to go now. I think we have to move on. We have other podcasts to do. Evan, where? where I, this is a question. Where are you staying in in Boston? Are you staying near Fenway? I like to. No, I'm staying. I'm staying in Cambridge. Um, uh, I like to stay close to the MIT campus, just on the. <laughs> just in case you can get in. <laughs> talk <laughs> analytics. Go over there and talk anal- baseball <laughs> analytics with them. Well, I'm hoping that these people's brains are so stuffed full of information that some of it will, like, explode out of their eardrums and just hit me in the face. So um, I like to stay over here. I was able to – this is – I will close with the glamorous life of a sports writer. So I'm in Boston. Last night is the Boston Pops uh, Spectacular on the shores of the Charles River um, with uh, an incredible fireworks show. And, I bet that was uh, really, you know I've been out on that river when they've done that. That is it is spectacular. It, it's unbelievable. Is it better than Kaboomtown? Um, I gotta um, say, you're on a river. So I'm getting ready to I'm getting ready to go. One small problem before I can go. 
I have to get the quotes from you, Darvish, from his outing, okay? And I have to send that into the paper before I can go. Well, I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and just as the kabooming starts outside of my window, the email pops in with the Darvish quotes. So I ended up putting the quotes in and getting to watch the fireworks show with my head kind of halfway stuck out the window here that opens about six inches and over an office building. And even with that, it was still phenomenal. Was there a little tear going down your cheek when that was happening? It was, uh, well, and, and then Gina sent, me a, Gina sent me a picture from Flower Mound of her and Natalie and Nick and Nick's girlfriend all on a picnic blanket at, the, you know, at our little hometown fireworks celebration and i wasn't there so then i did get a tear running down my well, you know, in, in flomo don't they don't they celebrate the confederacy there what, what, what did they have the stars and bars up no i think they i think they backed the british i think <laughs> no, Fl- no, no, flomo no, no. Was, was, was a british stronghold during the revolutionary war I think. In, are you in, st- in, Fl- <laughs> in flomo the only thing we've been celebrating lately is the bible i was gonna say so are you was, are you still in a in a, in a in a bad relationship with the mayor there I don't know if we're in the year of the Bible anymore, though. I think 2016 is a different year. So, so did you take you petitioned for this to be the year of the Torah? Did you not? The year? Wow. You you did petition I for did. that, didn't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I, I did ask for the year of the Torah, and it, it just confused everybody because of all the rolling and stuff that goes on with it. Evan, we have to go now. Kevin, what are, what else do we have today? I think ISIS. I think that they're well, they're checking this let's, stuff let's out. Not, let's, uh, Kevin, what else do we have today? Let's well, get back to what uh, we know. About. Well, Barry, we've got uh, Rick Goose Goslin uh, coming on to talk Cowboys with us and talk NFL, and we also have Eddie Sefko making his debut on the podcast, and he's going to talk a little bit of Mavericks and look what happened with everything they got. So there's so they'll be mediocre with different players this year. Essentially, yes. I, I predicted this. I predicted they would end up with the same kind of team. It's a different team, but it's the same kind of team. So, we'll Isn't that what they've ended up with the last five years? Pretty much. Pretty much so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, you know. I don't have any problems with, where, what, with what they're doing right now. That This all works out if they get Andrew Bogut and, uh, and uh, uh, Harrison, Harrison Barnes. Barnes. But, but, you know, I, I, I wonder, how does this end up developing anybody other than Harrison Barnes? I mean, he's 24 years old, and I guess if you like him. Right. Well, but, it's, but, but that's a plus. You have a 24-year-old guy. Justin Anderson. Well, but he, he plays Justin Anderson's position. That's my well, point. Well, maybe there'll be a three and a two. I would have liked it better had these they gotten are, another player. But, uh, yeah, these are like, all questions for Eddie, but I just – Kevin I, Durant would have been a know, good, good player to get. I don't think you're really going to develop a, a team until you commit to developing a team overall. Well, so you're saying get rid of Dirk. They won't do that while Dirk saying. is here. Yeah. But that, that's, a, that's and, a whole other podcast, Evan. And, I mean, I just think it's, I, I, I think it's time for them to – to have Dirk move on, I hate to say it because I, he is the best athlete that I've seen in this town in the 20 years I've been here, and he's been the most loyal. But I just don't know that I, I don't know that continuing to build a team around Dirk right now is is the way to go. Yeah, I don't think so either. But you know, it's hard. It's a hard sell. You know, it's, it, in this town. There are, when I wrote that uh, the la- their last game of the season, I said that's what they should do. I can't wait till we get Eddie Sefko on so we can talk one. so we can talk Rangers with Eddie Sefko. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs>
Evan, have a lovely rest of the day. It's probably we're we're in a room where you, we can't see out, but I bet it's storming here in uh, Dallas right now too. So, I'm sorry, Barry. <laughs> Evan's upset. Evan, Evan, after all Barry, I've done for you all these years, Barry, treat, treat I feel little... so bad that you won't that you that you won't share this statement with us. I'm I'm calling Richard when we get off. He's calling we... your mother with it any minute. I now. bet she'll agree with me. Yeah, she will. She'll agree with me. Yeah. She she and I we'll, we'll, y'all are of like minds. We'll we'll just talk about how Evan just after all we did for Evan just first of all. First of all, my mother won't be able to hear a word you'll say. And secondly... That won't matter, though. She'll agree with me then. <laughs> Perfect. No, she'll, at some point in time, she'll say, I don't know. And that'll be that. So. I, you know what, Evan? Waiting this extra 10 minutes just to hear you do your... To hear you oh, your mom. Yeah, absolutely. Your, was, was worthwhile for us, and I hope for the listeners. It's somewhere. It's one of the two things. It's either Dan Lebertar with his dad on, on his show, how he does that, or it's Norman Bates with his mom in Psycho. I haven't decided which one it is, but, it, but it's somewhere between those two. Evan, be well, take care, and give us a final word from Boston. He what? Say it again. Flexation. Flexation. All right. Are, are we playing password now? Holy cow. He said final word. The password is flexation. Evan, I want to say goodbye. Evan, be well. Bye, Evan. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys. And that's Evan Grant, and that's us, and we're out. That's the flexated Evan Grant. Yeah, that what does is. it mean? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Flexation. He's making up words. So that <laughs> was Tommy just now came on with the music. Tommy was, Thanks, looking, Tommy. Tommy was looking through his thesaurus. <laughs> flexation. Flexation. What does that mean anyway? All right. So we're going to have a couple other podcasts coming up. Be sure to tune in. We'll see you. Bye.